The Lord be with you. And also with you. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. God's mercy Beloved, as we gather ourselves for ordered worship this first Sunday in Lent, the liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst. And as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. We do gather in the spirit of one who sang, Unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, truth and love for all to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it as we are able May we stand in the praise of God.
pray. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. We pause now to lift our hearts, mindful of our need for compunction and contrition, for lament and here for confession, as our choir sings with us the traditional Kyrie, Lord have mercy upon us. Let us pray. have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Beloved, hear the gospel. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A lesson from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, 
and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring the clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the first epistle of St. Peter, chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water, and baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, 
with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. The word of the Lord. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 25 with the Antiphon. Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies insult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For your goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel.
Gospel of Jesus Christ according to St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. Glory to you, Lord. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. seated. May the gracious God, holy and just, from whom we come and unto whom our spirits return, the source of wisdom, the fount of wisdom, the wellspring of saving wisdom, make of us this Lent 2018 an addressable community that we might listen, that we might hear, that we might understand that we might listen, hear, and understand before we analyze or criticize. May God make of us an addressable community. May God make of us a benevolent community that we might polish our proclivity 
for the second thought, the second try, the second chance, that we might expect to uncover a latent goodness, latent in others and in ourselves and across this great, though troubled, globe, that we might become good in ways that become the gospel. May God make of us, we pray, a benevolent community. May God make of us, we pray, a soulful community, alive to spirit, alive to love, alive to grace, to take away from our souls the strain and stress, to let us breathe again, breathe deeply, breathe the soulful breath of life, make of us a soulful community, for we have gathered and bear witness to Jesus our beacon, not our boundary. Today we are again a land, culture, people, and country drenched in sorrow, now due to the unspeakable horror, the unnecessary American carnage in Parkland, Florida, in a decade of deepening humiliation, wherein our current elected leadership readily chooses to exchange long-term moral judgment for short-term political opportunity, we can but rise up come Sunday and face Almighty God. One way this morning will be to start simply by naming those dead, those children and others sacrificed on the altar of hideously exaggerated individual gun rights. Alyssa Alhada, Scott Beagle, Martin Duke, Nicholas Dwarat, Aaron Feis, Jamie Gutenberg, Chris Hickson, Luke Hoyer, Kara Logren, Gina Montalto, Joaquin Oliver, Elena Petty, Meadow Pollock, Helena Ramsey, Alex Schachter, Carmen Shentrup, Peter Wong. Lent is indeed a time of wilderness travel, reflection, theology, and preaching. Over a past decade, 2007-2016, Lent by Lent here at Marsh Chapel, we identified a theological conversation partner for the Lenten sermons, broadly speaking out of the Calvinist tradition. For this current decade, 2017-2026, we turn to the Catholic tradition, With Calvin, that is, in an earlier decade, we encountered the chief resource for others we engaged over those last ten years, voices like those of Jonathan Edwards, Paul of Tarsus, Marilyn Robinson, Jacques Ellul, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran cousin, Karl Barth, Gabriel Behenian, and themes like atonement and decision, and, of course, himself, John Calvin. But beginning with Lent 2017, the Marsh Pulpit, a traditionally Methodist one, did turn left, not right, toward Rome, not Geneva. And we in these years will preach with and learn from the Roman Catholic tradition, so important in the last 200 years in New England. 
and some of its great divines, including Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, Ignatius of Loyola, Erasmus, Hans Kung, Karl Rahner, and others, one per year. Perhaps you will suggest a name or two, not from Geneva, but from Rome. For those who, will, who recall, even if dimly, the vigor and excitement of Vatican II, there may well be others, other names to add to the list. We began last year with Henry Nouwen. We continue this year with Thomas Merton, next year, John of the Cross. Thomas Merton was born in 1915 and died in 1968, 50 years ago. This Lent, we follow his thought by following his life, most famously recounted in his autobiography, The Seventh Story, S-T-O-R-E-Y, Mountain. Story, S-T-O-R-E-Y, being an English way of spelling what in American English we call story, S-T-O-R-Y, meaning the same, meaning a level in a house or a building or other. His compelling account of conversion and vocation, placing him for life in a Trappist monastery, holds us in part because of his global engagement with global and local culture and personal and family life. He reads, he loves art, he travels, he learns, he fails. Most heavily, he loses to death his mother and his father at quite early ages. Another sermon or another occasion might compare and contrast his testimony to that of Augustine of Hippo from the late 4th century. More immediately, though, his personal travels along the terrain of spirit and spirituality, far more in vogue today, we might say, than they were 50 years ago, may illumine a dark corner for a frustrated undergraduate or challenge a heedless pride for a wise academic or inspire a newfound energy in a lapsing person of faith or, say for you, call you again to faith, to the gift of faith, to the reception of the gift of faith. We travel with Thomas Merton this Lent. As Merton reminds us, the body and its habits, in collusion with the unconscious and its rhythms, takes us where we habitually go to do what we ritually do. We are creatures of habit guided along by our suppositions and assumptions. So Lent arrives to wake us up, to make us aware. Lent arrives to challenge us to move from sensation to reflection, from activity to awareness. Hence the overwhelming response this past Wednesday by Boston University students and others to eight Ash Wednesday services, all heavily attended, half Protestant, half Catholic. This affirmation of ritual and worship will need further attention from us in the days ahead. Our millennials are teaching us and telling us something. Jesus meets us today in the long experience of the wilderness, the wilderness where reflection quickens, the wilderness where discipline begins, the wilderness where the great questions, God, freedom, immortality, all may touch us, the wilderness where there is quiet space and silence. I invite you this Lent to journey with me, one beggar among others, to travel from sensation to reflection. We begin this morning taking stock of our sources or media of authority upon which we shall base our coming Lenten teaching. 
In the gospel, Jesus hears scripture. Thou art my beloved son, with thee I am well pleased. That is Psalm 2, verse 7. You are meant to recognize the divine voice echoed here from Holy Scripture. In the Gospel, Jesus honors tradition, baptized by John in the Jordan. In the Gospel, Jesus is driven by the Spirit, the breath of God, the Spirit of truth, reason, and reasoned. In the Gospel, Jesus struggles and suffers. He experiences depth and height as we do, tempted and endangered in need of angelic support. These are the sources of authority on which the gospel is proclaimed, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. You're moving today from sensation to reflection, and that move involves a recognition of sources of authority. Tread lightly. Your love of Christ shapes your love of scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. You are lovers and knowers both. But we are ever in peril of loving what we should use and using what we should love, to paraphrase Augustine. In particular, we sometimes come perilously close to the kind of idolatry that uses what we should love. We are tempted for our love of Christ to force a kind of certainty upon what we love to use what is meant to give confidence as a force and form of certainty. It is tempting to substitute the freedom and grace of confidence for the security and protection of certainty. But faith is about confidence, not certainty. If we had certainty, we would not need faith. Here is a Lenten question. Did you ever feel the need to take a spiritual bath? The layers of accumulated anxiety and estrangement call out for removal, so a little steam, a filling tub, some quiet and peace, moments of grace. Did you ever feel the need to take a spiritual bath? Even as the early church had need and experience to remember Jesus as the one who first experienced our communion in the Last Supper, So for the same communal reasons, this early legend of Jesus' baptism met the needs of the primitive church, and so we may hope shall meet our own. They too knew alienation. They too knew estrangement. They too sin and ennui. All that separates yourself from others and from God, this is sin. And all that separates you from your best hope, the real hope of others, and the divine hope in which the world was made, this is sin. The early church found it soothing, healing, to be immersed in the water of baptism and to think of Jesus as the first baptized. Ours is not a biographical account today, but a story of faith, of confidence. Surely with many generations before and after, the early church would have remembered the cleansing holiness of the Ten Commandments as they read these words. Likewise, with 2,000 years of saints to follow, the same church would have remembered the cleansing compassion of the Beatitudes. When they heard the splash of water, they might have thought again of Noah and the flood, the promise of God's care to follow such hurt they would have seen in the rainbow. 
I establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When they heard the banishment to the wilderness, the school of experience, of hard knocks, to which every great religious leader from Moses to the Buddha has been sent, they would have recalled another blessing. The blessing of nature in the rainbow would be matched by that of experience in the Psalms. Lead me in your truth. Teach me. You are the God of my salvation. For thee I wait all the day long. Do not remember the sins of my youth. According to your steadfast love, remember me. When the moment of baptism came, John holding Jesus, both of the prophetic tradition, both of a certain courage and calling, both to have tragic fates, both, both to know and need each other, brothers, really, they would have had something to say now, a blessing of an emerging sacrament. Every sacrament and every symbol need interpretation. For that reason, the whole of 1 Peter is written as an essay on baptism. Remember what the letter says. And baptism, which the Ark of Noah prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Baptism, an appeal to God for a good conscience. How utterly timely. When the story, the faith legend of Jesus' baptism was then told, say in a small Mediterranean church, they again would meet their Lord as we do, Jesus from Galilee, Jesus baptized, Jesus related to John, Jesus spirit touched, Jesus beloved, Jesus tested and tempted, Jesus tough against wilderness and beasts and Satan, Jesus guarded by angels, Jesus preacher, Jesus preaching good news, Jesus whose time come Lent has come. Jesus particularly meets us today in supplication. In supplication today we feel or murmur or mutter, perhaps through clenched teeth. A prayer of supplication, a, confes a confession of failure. And our supplication, free our land of horrid, tragic gun violence. How will this happen? We see no easy way. But then our minds begin to move. Gun violence is a matter of public health. You have lifted your voice in chorus with those who attack gun violence not as an issue of individual right or freedom, but as an issue of public health and safety. We have had success in other improvements to public health. Reductions in death from smoking, reductions in death from drinking, reductions in highway deaths. Here is a different evil, so we shall need to think differently. How shall we do so? Maybe we shall restri restrict the sale of ammunition. Keep and bear arms all you want, but ammunition we will lock down. 
Maybe we shall make those who make money on gun sales pay a stiff price for every misuse of their product. Maybe we shall hold households and home insurance responsible for mayhem that may emerge from said domicile. Congress regularly supports the so-called gun lobby, fearing to contradict its champions. Oddly, though, they are mistaken about what Americans, and particularly gun owners, think about gun restrictions and gun safety. They mistake the faux representative voice for the people's voice. 85% of Americans and 81% of gun owners favor gun show background checks and other restrictions, which Congress has rejected. Since 1960, 1.3 million Americans have died from firearms, which amounts to 80 gun deaths a day. The broad swath of the American people, in harmony with the book of Hebrews, offer prayers of supplication for an angelic deliverance, and here and there is change. In 1970, one half of all U.S. homes had guns. Today it is less than one-third. But our tendency to conformity, our overeager deference to authority, and our too willing adaptation to imposed roles weaken us over against these and other challenges. Yet, you have agency and you have influence. As you pray, as you think, as you speak, as you vote, you have power, agency, and influence. And you cannot see the unforeseen future. You do not know what may, against all current expectation, suddenly emerge. Decades ago, we lived in a little cottage parsonage in Ithaca, New York, once inhabited by Pearl Buck, she of the good earth, while her husband took a degree at Cornell. It was 50 years from Fall Creek, a good-sized river, frozen solid for the cold months. No amount of waiting and watching would shift that ice, and for those years it was Easter, usually, before anything happened. Just block ice, wind, snow, cold, silence, a frozen river, no movement. And then, with no warning, like a sudden angel thunder from heaven itself, in a great cataclysmic whoosh, all that ice would pound down the hill into Cayuga Lake in the space of ten minutes. It was terrifying to hear and see. What combination of underwater thawing and freezing what combination of sun and shadow, what combination of tiny little changes finally ushered in that annual apocalypse? Who can say? But you never know when change, even real big change, may well arrive. So this Lent, together we receive Jesus, whose time has come, because we are loved, we can love. Marsh Chapel, you have been an embodiment of love for this community for decades, generations. 
what you have said and done, stood for and stood by, we now repeat even as we pause before God and the unknown. In fact, I believe that if you were to write a creed together, in a few sentences it might sound something like this. We need to hold on to what we hold most dear. God is love. Love is both mercy and justice, both compassion and holiness. Compassion is more important than holiness. God loves the, ch- the world, not just the church. The church lives in the culture. The church lives in the culture to transform it, not above it to disdain it, not below it to obey it, not behind it to mimic it, not before it to hector it. The church is the body of Christ. Christ is alive wherever there is way, truth, and life. Life is sacred. Life is a sacred journey to freedom. The Bible is freedom's book. The Bible is a source, not the source, of truth. The Sabbath was made for the human being, not the human being for the Sabbath. Women and men, people, all people need each other. There is a self-correcting spirit of truth loose in the universe. God's love outlasts death. Well, beloved, let us bring who we are to this moment, remembering the wilderness desire, theology, scripture, bath, failure, and faith, along with promises and gifts of faith, and trusting in Almighty God to heal and sustain in this new season. Or as Thomas Merton wrote, I was to become conscious of the fact that the only way to live was to live in a world that was charged with the presence and reality of God. We now come to a time in our service where we turn our hearts and minds to prayer. I invite you to assume a posture of prayer that best allows you to support the prayers of the community by remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as the choir leads us in the call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. Lord, we come to you this day with troubled minds and weary hearts. 
We come to you searching for answers, for understanding, for grace. We come to you a lost people in a time of tragedy, confused, sedated, broken. Lord, we pray that you ease our weary hearts, rest our troubled minds, and lift our eyes to you, O God. We ask this day that you welcome into your merciful kingdom in heaven the 17 innocent lives that were lost just a few days ago. May we remember their names now in spirit and in word. Alyssa Alhada, 14. Scott Beigel, 35. Martin Duque Anguiano, 14. Nicholas Dorett, 17. Aaron Weiss, 37. Jamie Gutenberg, 14. Chris Hickson, 49. Luke Hoyer, 15. Kara Lofren, 14. Gina Montalto, 14. Joaquin Oliver, 17. Aliana Petty, 14. Meadow Pollock, 18. Elena Ramsey, 17. Alex Schachter, 14. Carmen Shentrup, 16. Peter Wong, 15. Lord, may we as a country remember not the numbers of those killed, but the lives of those killed. Let us not be statisticians of violence, but treasurers of life. For it is in this life that we are given new life in you, O God. Be with all those who mourn the loss of loved ones, especially those who have lost loved ones due to gun violence. Be with all of those who are sick and in need of healing this day, O God. Be with those who are simply in need of presence and forgiveness. Be with the lawmakers who will seek to provide safety to all in this nation. Be with the perpetrator of last Wednesday's attack, Lord. Give us the strength to be proponents of peace, not harbingers of hate. Give us the power to be advocates of action, not protectors of pacifism. Give us the presence to drive out our darkness, to illuminate our light. Lord, give us the courage to face our fears and to understand as we seek to be understood. Lord, we ask all of this in your name and join together with the confidence of the children of God in the prayer your Son, Jesus, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We're so grateful to be in worship together with you this morning. Whether you're joining us here in person or joining us on 90.9 WBUR or joining us via the podcast. Whatever your political persuasion, sexual orientation, level of education, sense of vocation, or dress and presentation, you are very welcome here. We have four brief announcements this morning. Sometimes when I'm feeling a little helpless and don't always know what to do, it it helps me to have something to do with myself, something to go and do. So these are four ways, um, four things that you can do this week. First, um, Marsh Chapel is partnering with Sustainability and doing a light bulb exchange next Sunday. You can bring in any unwanted incandescent bulb, even if it's a broken one, carefully, and you can receive a free LED bulb. There's a green flyer in your bulletin for more information, but please do participate in that next Sunday. This coming Friday, February 23rd, MOVE is co-hosting a Red Cross blood drive. They're co-hosting with BU's rugby team. The drive is from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m., and it's going to be right here in the basement of the chapel at 735 Commonwealth Avenue. You can sign up for this um, right after church with Tom Batson, who's going to be at a table outside in the narthex, Or you can call the Red Cross or visit redcross.org and enter the code MARSHCHAPEL, that's one word, to sign up for a time to donate blood. Third, in the Dean's Corner, the Dean is preaching, as he mentioned, in conversation with Thomas Merton this Lenten season. The chapel has purchased copies of the Seven Story Mountain, which are available for free for you in the basement. So take up a reading practice and uh, read alongside Um, the sermon series this Lent by picking up some Merton. And also, the dean is looking for volunteers to help participate in the April 8th um, service of remembrance for Martin Luther King Jr. You can see Heidi in the office for that. And last but not least, because it's the Lenten season, we're starting our confirmation and baptism class. 
it's not too late to join. If you've been wanting to join in membership to the chapel or have not received confirmation before, uh, Reverend Soren Hessler is standing in the back here, is starting a class starting this Sunday right after church. It will meet every Sunday after church just for a bit um, in preparation for um, confirmation at Easter. And so you're welcome to talk to him if you have more questions about that. And now as I invite the ushers to wait upon us for our tithes and our offerings, let us remember that it is both a gift and a discipline to be a giver.
creator of the universe, who fills the earth with meaning and hope. Guide us to use these gifts to be vessels of your love to others, so that others may feel your meaningful warmth. Through Jesus Christ, the one who took on insignificance to bring on significance. Amen. the sun shall warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes God's hand to you, the blessing of God Almighty, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. 